We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. The exalted self rather than God and refused to make him known. That was the other thing happening here. The rest of verse 4. Not only did they want to build a, a tower that reaches to the heavens, but the rest of verse 4, so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Notice those key phrases. Make a name for ourselves and not be scattered. We want to gather. We don't want to scatter. We want to make a name for ourselves. We want us to be known. This is Cornerstone Connection the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through the book of Genesis. As Pastor Gary continues his teaching through the book of Genesis, he'll be reminding us that God commanded man to go throughout the earth and to multiply. They disobeyed God and instead desired to build the Tower of Babel so that they could unify around it and not go throughout the earth. The worst part about it was their motivation for this tower was so that they could be made known and to make a glorious name for themselves. This is always the root of all disobedience toward God, pride, and selfishness. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part two of today's message entitled, What's the Babel at Babel? Come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. So we see advanced civilization starting to emerge here. They're no longer just going to use stone and pile them up to make walls. They're actually going to fashion bricks out of mud. They're going to bake them. And they were very advanced in this. Even today, we don't know how some of these bricks have survived all the centuries that they have. There's one place we visit when we go to Israel where we see one of the oldest known brick gateways uh, on the earth today. It predates the time of Abraham, more than 4,000 years old. And the, and the ancient bricks are still standing. You can go to some places still in Iraq and you can see some of these ancient cities where these ancient bricks were used. And so they began to make these bricks and they used tar for mortar. Interesting. This is tar, which obviously has an oil base, very prevalent in the Middle East. The Rockefellers read this passage of Scripture and determined, well, where you have tar, there must be oil in them, their hills. You know, bubbling crude, right? Black gold, Texas tea. You got the showdown. You understand what I'm talking? And the Rockefellers set up oil refineries in the Middle East and became very, very wealthy because they read the Bible. You read the Bible, it can actually change your life in more ways than one. 
Well, verse 4 exposes their problem here. What was the root issue here? Why God decided to confuse their languages? First part of verse 4 says, They said to each other, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Now, notice what's happening so far. Baking bricks, nothing wrong with that. Building a city, certainly nothing wrong with that. Even building a tower, there's nothing wrong with building a tower. And many prominent cities around the world today have towers. Empire State Building, the Sears Tower, you have the Eiffel Tower, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I mean, there's towers that decorate landscapes all around the world. God doesn't have a problem with towers. What's the issue here? The issue here is that they were building a particular tower to reach to the heavens. Here's their purpose, not to try to get connected to God, but to get connected to the skies to the heavens. They want to worship the sun, moon, and stars. This is a tower, which is basically a worship tower. Archaeologists today call it a ziggurat. They've uncovered many of them throughout Iraq. This is the first problem that the uh, people of Babel had. They worshiped the sun, moon, and stars. Uh, They began to worship in an idolatrous way, Uh, not the creator, but they started worshiping the creation. They were worshiping sun, moon, and stars. And the ziggurat, basically platform built upon platform, built upon platform, till you get to the summit, and there's an observation deck. And on the observation deck, it would be the place where they would just then worship the sun. They wanted to be closer to the sun, closer to the stars, closer to the moon, so they could worship these things. Uh, Archaeologists have named at least 25 ancient ziggurats throughout the region of southern Iraq today. Here is an aerial view of an actual ziggurat that has been discovered in southern Iraq. Uh, The staircase has been uh, rebuilt along with the foundational walls, but 25 of these exist throughout southern Iraq in this region that we're talking about right here. Here is the front view of that same aerial view, When you can see a couple of U.S. servicemen there in the picture. There's There's a U.S. air base right nearby this particular ziggurat. Herodotus, the ancient Greek historian who lived in the 5th century B.C., said that he observed an ancient ziggurat still standing in his day that measured over 700 feet high. So this was their endeavor. They wanted to worship the starry host. They wanted to worship the sun, moon, and stars. Please understand this. The origin of all all occult worship can be traced back to this region. All idolatrous occult worship, we're talking astrology, horoscopes, zodiac, aligning with the stars, Mother Earth, planetary stuff, all this kind of stuff. I'm not talking about astronomy. That's legitimate scientific study of the solar system. I'm talking astrology, which is the idea of horoscopes, zodiac, all this other kind of mysticism involved in the planetary alignments. You can trace all of that back to the days of ancient Babylon right here at the Tower of Babel. Historically, we know it to be true. This is the issue that God had with them. It wasn't wrong to build a tower, except if the tower you're building is in order to get closer to the stars, to the sun, and to the moon, so that you can worship these things. God is so bothered by this, so hates it, that he codified the worship of sun, moon, and stars in the Levitical law as a capital offense. You would be killed if you were ever to be found worshiping the sun, moon, or stars, I'll give you the reference and I'll read it quickly. It's Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 2 to 5. This is what it says. 
If a man or woman living among you in one of the towns the Lord gives you is found doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God in violation of his covenant and contrary to my command has worshipped other gods bowing down to them or to the sun or the moon or the stars of the sky and this has been brought to your attention then you must investigate it thoroughly if it is true and it has been proved that this detestable thing has been done in Israel take the man or woman who has done this evil deed to your city gate and stone that person to death. You get an idea of the kind of things, the way that God viewed this whole thing back in the Old Covenant, people would be killed for worshiping the sun, moon, or stars. And God wants to interrupt this intentionally, confuses their language in part, because he doesn't want them to continue down this evil path of more and more idolatry, more and more satanic, demonic kinds of divination involved with this astrological kind of worship. And I just want to encourage if any of you are dabbling into this kind of a thing, you dabble with the zodiac, the horoscope, you read it to figure out who you're supposed to date and who you're supposed to marry and what kind of job you're supposed to get and all this kind of stuff and wanting to align yourself with the planets and the mother nature and all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you something. It's not only foolishness. God calls it evil. It's wicked. He would kill people in the Old Testament for this kind of a practice. And Christians have no business consulting that kind of a thing. And let me just tell you something that might be alarming for those of you who are into the horoscope thing, you're really familiar with your own zodiac sign and you make great decisions based on all that, you, you, you might want to know that actually just this year, scientists discovered that because of the, uh, the lunar pull, the gravitational pull that the moon has on the earth, that all of the zodiac signs have had assigned to them the wrong months. <laughs> Oops. So this article in Time Magazine says, if you're the type of person who relies on mysterious-sounding locations of stars to determine your personality and outcome in life, get ready to be shocked. The field of astrology, which is concerned with horoscopes and the like, felt a major disruption from astronomers who were concerned with actual stars and planets. The astronomers from the Minnesota Planetarium Society found that because of the moon's gravitational pull on Earth, the alignment of the stars was pushed by about a month. It says in the article, your astrological sign is determined by the position of the sun on the day you were born. So that means everything you thought you knew about your horoscope is wrong. <laughs> According to the Minnesota Planetarium Society, here's where the real signs of the zodiac should fall. Get ready for your world to change forever, is what the article says here. And then it lists Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, Aries. And it lists, here are the real dates. Now... You know, most people are aware of it, whether or not you dabble into it. I don't dabble with this at all, but I'm aware of it. I grew up, you know, and you would figure out what your sign is, okay? I'm born June 7th. Not trying to drop a hint. But anyway, I'm just letting you know <laughs> for what it's worth. And June 7th rolls around. Anyway, just getting back to this. But I knew growing up, I said, okay, I'm classified Gemini. So I'm a Gemini. Oh, no. Oops. I read this now. No longer Gemini. I'm a Taurus. I'm a Taurus. I don't even like the car. <laughs> I'm a Taurus. All right, so we might know. But listen, well, here's the good deal. Good deal is, thank God we know Jesus. Our life is in Jesus and not on some planetary star alignment. Amen to that. Praise God for that. All right, here's the other deal that's going on here. Here's the second thing here. The exalted self rather than God 
and refused to make him known. That was the other thing happening here. The rest of verse 4. Not only did they want to build a, a tower that reaches to the heavens, but the rest of verse 4. So that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Notice those key phrases. Make a name for ourselves and not be scattered. We want to gather. We don't want to scatter. We want to make a name for ourselves. We want us to be known. And in order to do that, we have to have a good self-esteem in order to be known abroad and around about who we are. (laughs) You know something? The world is full today of a lot of self-help books and self-esteem books and courses you can take to feel good about yourself. The reality is when we look at this story here, it's a sin issue. Sometimes those self-help, self-esteem books just feed the carnal nature. The fact of the matter is we don't have a self-esteem problem in our culture. We have a a God-esteem problem. We don't esteem God. We esteem self. We want to talk about how self is the most important thing, and we want everybody to know just how important our self is. And so we're getting engrossed in all of this kind of self-help stuff. Self-esteem. Everybody needs good self-esteem. Really? I think what we need is a good dose of God-esteem. Because if we get more of God and less of us, we'd be much better off. I know some of you might think, wait a minute, you don't know my story. My story is a story of low self-esteem. I grew up with an alcoholic mother. She berated me all my life. She made fun of me. I have a low self-esteem. What I need is a good self-esteem book or a self-actualization course so I can feel better about myself. No, 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 no. Actually, what you don't need is that. What you do need is you need less of looking at yourself. You need more of looking at Jesus. Because the more you look at Jesus, he's going to do three things for you. Number one, he's going to heal you of whatever terrible childhood you had. Number two, he's going to give you a new identity in him. Number three, he's going to infuse his worth into your life. We need a changed heart from the inside out. Self-help books and those kind of things might temporarily make you feel better about yourself, but the reality is the eternal lasting difference of who you are changed from the inside out is going to happen because you get more of Jesus and less of you. And by the way, the more of Jesus you get, the more he's going to remind you that you, like everybody else, like me too, is a basic sinner in as much in need of the cross as your alcoholic mother is. So all of us need to come to the place where we just acknowledge our own sinfulness and come to Jesus and allow him to change our identity, to heal our hurts and our past and all this kind of stuff that we bring to the cross. We say, Lord, this is who I am. I just want to dump it on you. And he invites us to do that. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you because it is easy and you will find rest for your souls. The only place and the only time we're going to find rest for our souls is when we come to Jesus. Not when we get fixated on self and try to get all worked up about self-esteem because that just contributes to the whole problem in our culture. Self-absorbed, self-centered, self-serving. That's what these people were about. We're going to make a tower so that everybody would know who we are. We want to make a name for ourselves instead of wanting to make a name for God. They were all about self. They wanted to make a name for self. And in addition to that, they didn't want to scatter. They wanted to gather. So that, they said, we're not scattered all over the earth. It was in direct defiance to the mandate of God. What am I talking about? Make note, for those of you who take notes, Genesis 1.28. You can turn there if you'd like, but this is what happens. God creates Adam and Eve, and he gives them a mandate. Genesis 1.28, he said to Adam and Eve, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. That is not just a statement about have a lot of children. That is a statement about make my name known. Fill the earth. Subdue it. 
communicate my greatness to all the people who will follow after you. Now, first 1,600 years didn't go so well in the human race. We talked about it last week. And then God brings a flood, saves eight people in all in an ark. And then after the eight get off the ark, God repeats the mandate. Genesis 9, verse 1. Take a glance. What does God say to Noah and his sons in Genesis 9, 1? Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. He says the same thing. He restates his mandate. I want you to go throughout the earth. I want you to scatter. And I want you to make my name, God says, my name great, my name known. Because God will be the way to rescue and to save people. And if we just huddle ourselves in this little city and we build a tower unto ourselves, God's name is not going to be made known among the earth. And God's greatness is not going to be communicated to a people who need to understand the truth. So these are the reasons why God comes down here and confounds their language. They are all about themselves, not about God. They want a kingdom without a king. They want notoriety for self, not for God. They want everybody to know their greatness, not God's. They're dabbling in the occult. They're worshiping the stars, the sun, the moon. The whole thing is totally messed up, but instead of God just wiping them out, he does something to, to interrupt their communication to stop their evil path here. He's going to do it for their own good. And he's going to do it for the sake of the rest of the planet because he wants his name to be known and he wants his truth to be proclaimed. And so he's going to force these people out. He's going to scatter them by, by virtue of disrupting their language. And he's going to communicate his greatness through them. But it's, listen, it's never about us. It should always be about God. You will either have a high view of God and a low view of man, or you will have a high view of man and a low view of God. You cannot have it both ways. Biblically speaking, our attitude should be a high view of God, low view of man, in the sense that we're all sinners, we need a Savior. If we exalt self, we'll never see our need for God. If we think we're all that and we're all okay and we don't need anybody, we've exalted self, we have a low view of God, we have a high view of man. The reality is the Bible teaches high view of God, low view of man. We're desperately sinful people in need of a Savior. There's none righteous, no, not one. It's communicated all through the Bible. That's why God loves us enough to send a Savior. He would not have sent a Savior except for the fact that He sees our need for one, that we're lost without Him. These people were getting it all wrong. They weren't proclaiming the greatness of God. David says in Psalm 145, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. That's what God wants of us. To proclaim his greatness. So what God does here in verse 5 is, it says that he comes down to see the tower that they've built. Now, it's not that he needed to. Look, God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's uh, omnipresent. He's everywhere. He sees all things, right? He didn't need to come down. I think the reality is he came down because he's trying to show them just the futility of their own greatness. Because here he comes down as he's observing this. Well, looky here. Oh, wow. Look at this tower you built. Wow. This is, wow. This is incredible. Almost as good as the planet that you're standing on that I made. Yeah, almost. Yeah. 
Let's see, you guys made a tower, I made time. How about that? Yeah. And he's kind of putting things in perspective. Like, In other words, God is saying to us, I'm not impressed. Not impressed. He comes down to communicate, not impressed. But what he is communicating, though, is that he's concerned. He's concerned for the evil path they're on. They're engaging themselves in satanic, demonic things, the worship of the starry hosts. He knows they continue down their path. They're going to get closer to demonic things further away from who God is. They're not going to communicate the truth of the greatness of God. They're going to huddle themselves together. They're going to be gathered. They're not going to scatter. And God's truth is not going to be proclaimed around the world. This is why he's interrupting them. This is why he comes down and confounds their language. Can you imagine what that moment was like? You're all having conversation. Hey, what a great day. Hey, you going to do some Christmas shopping? Yeah, I got to get some Christmas shopping done. Hey, where do you want to go? Well, let's go blah, 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 blue. Hey. And all of a sudden, people don't understand each other. Now, this honestly might have been welcome relief in some homes. <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. He's a little gruff. He's always barking at you. He's like, how many credit cards do you have? Come on. We got to be careful. We got a budget. It's Christmas is coming up. Don't you blah, 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 blah. And she's like, I don't understand a word you're saying. Sorry. Ha <laughs> And she's doing the same thing to him. She's like, please, could you pick up your clothes? I can't believe I always have to put the toilet seat down. Would you please? Wah, 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 wah. (laughs) And he's like, no comprendo. Sorry, don't understand what you're saying. Probably this was welcomed in some families. But otherwise, I bet you this is a story that they never lived down the rest of their lives. As they huddled together in different linguistic groups, they would always be telling this story. Remember the day? that we were just kind of walking together in the streets of Babel, and all of a sudden we couldn't speak to our friends, to family members. God did that, didn't he? Yeah, why did he do that? Because we were worshiping things we shouldn't have been worshiping, and we were not making his name great, and that's why we've been scattered. This was a story that they would be telling their children, that God did this to make his name great. Now, fast forward a few thousand years. The world is still wicked, still evil, still sinful. People are still into the occult, into satanic things, into demonology, astrology, alignment of the stars, all this kind of thing. But here's what God does. He comes down and he visits us too. He comes down and he visits us. He visits us in the person of his son, Jesus. Jesus dies on a cross for this wicked, sinful mess. And then he says, if any of you have faith in me and you want to put your faith and trust in me, you can have your sins forgiven. You can have the assurance of heaven when you die. Put your faith and trust in me. That's what Jesus does. And then we respond to that. We say yes to Jesus. We ask him to forgive us of our sins. We ask him to come into our heart to take over as Lord and Savior. And then he repeats the mandate. Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus said, go and do all the worlds and preach the good news to all nations. Scatter. Now that you know me, scatter. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, chapter 5, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they would see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let people see, scatter. The psalmist in Psalm 67, 1 and 2, it's kind of the theme of our whole building endeavor. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. What does God do? He says, I want you to come to faith in my son Jesus. And then once you do that, I want you to scatter. I don't ever want you to hold this to yourself. Gather together in your own little clubs, your own little groups, just to be with people only like you. 
I want you to love everybody else around the world. I want you to scatter. I want you to take this good news of the greatness of God where you work, where you live, within your families. I want you to go about and tell other people how great the Lord is. The mandate's never changed, folks. What God wants of us are the same things He wanted in this day of Genesis 11. He wants us to worship Him alone. No false gods, no foreign gods in the sense of demonic, strange, astrological things. No idolatry, no false religions, the true and living God. Then secondly, He wants us to exalt Him, never ourselves, exalt God. And then thirdly, He wants us to make Him known, to scatter abroad, that we would tell people the good and glorious news of who Jesus is. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Cornerstone Connection, the teaching ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. To learn more about this radio ministry, please visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc where you can download today's teaching or subscribe to our podcast. At cornerstoneconnection.cc, you'll also find information about all of our ministries, links to our Facebook page, Twitter feed, and more. We can be reached via email at info at cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's info at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Or you can give us a call at 703-771-1500. That's 703-771-1500. When you contact us, please let us know how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. On the next edition of Cornerstone Connection, Pastor Gary will continue taking us through the book of Genesis. No place to go But still you know